are back with another interview with Chancey Williams. Finally got to sit down and spend some time with him. We talked about Vegas, an Opry debut, six albums, ranching, record deal opportunities, getting to open up at the Ryman with Cody Johnson, playing Cheyenne Frontier Days, almost having the cut of Cody Johnson's latest single, Human, but you know what? Alan Jackson was involved in all that. Let's get to know Chancey Williams. Some old truckers are gets broke. Yeah, truckers hearts get broke. Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. Today, sitting down with Chancey Williams. Welcome back to Vegas. Welcome back to Stoney. Yeah, thanks for having us in. It's first time at Stoney. Just can't wait. It's your first time full band. Yeah, that's right. I came here and did that songwriter round. Was it about a year ago or something? I would say it was part of the ACM things, I believe, yep. because you played with Fillmore. Yep. Uh, and um, Tim Duggar was on that show. Yep. Ruthie Collins and American Young. Yeah. Yes. That, w- that was fun, yeah. That was neat. We don't get to do an awful lot of that stuff here. I know. Th- those songwriter rounds are fun. And I-, I don't do enough of them either. You know, typically we're a full band right. on tour somewhere on the road. But once in a while, those songwriter rounds are fun because people are paying attention and listening to lyrics versus... It's weird. I like to say in Vegas, it isn't something that correlates very well from the stage to the audience because people... um they believe that the artist that sings it is the only one that matters. They don't care about the writer. They don't care about the backstory. They don't necessarily yeah. care. But that was a fun night. We just did one with Randall King um, during Rodeo. Oh, yeah, during Anna Four. And I think yep. jo- Josh Ward was on it, right? He was. Yeah, and I Lynn was going to over that night. Yeah. Yes, you were going to. Yes. And yeah. I was supposed to go to your show at, at South Point. That I just, was a I just wrote one with Wynn. He's, Wynn's awesome. Such a neat dude. Oh, man, he's hilarious. He, he's the king of those songwriter rounds because, like, he's got a real southern drawl and Right. He's a great storyteller. And so he's written quite a few. He's wrote a bunch of hits. So it's he's one of the guys that in Nashville does all those songwriter rounds. Right. That was probably one of the first ones that I would say was super successful here. Yeah. Um, ACMs was cool. That one that we did with, I think it was called Randall King's Tonk Vegas. Yeah. But he, dude, he stacked the deck. Kylie Fry was on that thing. Jake Worthington, Jake yeah. Jacobson. So it was really neat that the people that came out, they knew what they were coming to get. But like, if we were to try and do an acoustic show tonight doesn't work right just doesn't well it's vegas you know people kind of come to town to party i mean you know we true we, we've played vegas for years and it's always fun you know playing in town because nobody comes to vegas is like oh i'm a sad person i want right. to go to vegas everybody gets off a plane or drives into town is like ready to do something i think they're sad when they leave oh because they lost everything we've uh we've drove that 12-hour home stretch to laramie a lot and it was maybe not a word spoke in the bus or van. really like kind of quiet and like oh do you gamble when you're here I used to a little bit, but learned pretty quick that, uh, you know. Those places are beautiful for a reason. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple times we were driving home and I was doing math in my head and be like, damn it, I didn't make any money this weekend. <laughs> we lost money on that play. That's yeah, funny. but, you know, Vegas has been really good. It was kind of our second home for a long time. We, we started the band. We were just a cover band that played out west and a lot of rodeos and fairs and stuff. And so we started playing at Toby's and played Gillies. A lot of years and and then uh we do six six weeks a year at, at gillies and still no no we haven't played there for a long time we kind of you know we, we changed over we have, I have six albums out so we do you know just 90 minute show of our stuff now as you should which is great yeah we love it but you know we've, we've kind of played all over town I, th- I was thinking today first time we played at the monte carlo and it was still that and then we oh that, that that thing they had downstairs that that room was huge well Actually, we played upstairs, and it was kind of this restaurant thing. It was okay. for, for Roper Western Wear. Okay. It was during the NFR, but I don't even know how many years ago that was a lot. But played there, and then we were at Toby's, and we played Fremont Street. 
the hoedown once and then somewhere else at a casino there played the thomas and mac south point mgm tropicana damn um you've owned this gillies <laughs> yeah and I, I know i'm forgetting some always played gold coast for years and then stoney's always been on our list because we're like man every we, we we became friends with a lot of locals, and they're like, "Dude, you guys got to get to Stoney's." And we're right. like, "All right," and it just never worked out with our schedule. And then we Timing. switched to being a, you know, a national touring act. So like, it, it worked out good now that we're finally ready to play here. <laughs> I like to, um, I don't want to say be an asshole, but I turn away cover bands. I get emails like you can only imagine, right? The the, the people that write in and they're like, "Dude, I can I can cover a four hour set," and I'm just like, "Bro, a." You've clearly never been here. B, this isn't Nashville. You're not on Broadway. C, right. I, I'm more interested in exposing you to our built-in crowd. Sort right. Of thing. And that's the thing. What I like is, you know, it's, I've heard there's a lot of locals that come here. and they it's, do. You know, Vegas is a fun town. And we, uh, yeah, it's been really good to us over the years. And so we're, we're glad to finally be here. You know, and during NFR, we've been playing out at South Point, And we've been at Mirage for yeah. NFR. I mean, like I said, we're. We're kind of been on the strip. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> but, paid your dues on the strip. Yeah, it's usually the other way around. You but start it's out. great, you know. And that's the thing. When, when we were at Gillies, we do you know three fifty minute sets, and we played all like nineties and eighties country. So they loved us there. Yep. But then finally, we just were like, we loved what we were doing. We were good at being a g- good tight cover band. We're like, we're gonna do this forever, or, yeah. or should we just push our stuff? So that's when we just stopped playing sets and stop playing dances and you know it was it was a hard corner to turn well you guys you have to be dedicated to do that yeah and, just, and like and like changing the culture of your fans because everybody's like you know play you know play neon moon and yeah. or these songs that you know you played for years and like man once in a while we'll put them in an acoustic portion of the show but like we're pushing our own stuff so like we had to you know you had to stomach what we were doing like either this is going to work or it's not going to work and we were all willing to be like all right if i I don't want to be you know 50 years old still playing three sets at gillies nothing wrong with that that's just not what we we wanted to do like hey i want to be a national artist that tours playing our own stuff that we wrote so like you think about that switch from broadway too it's the same thing yeah some of those artists that you know i sat down with john marks uh last year and we had this conversation about broadway because i had this this I mean, I think I was dead on, but at the same time, there was uh, a little part of it that I didn't understand. And what what John was saying is, it's a great stepping stone for an artist to hone their craft, right. build a fan base, and then start introducing some of your newer songs and get yourself to the point where you can play in front of anybody, whether right. it's a large a lo- large crowd, small crowd, and you could just build yourself up and kind of go from there. But I truly believe that there's two different artists out there. There are the artists that can just play and they can play anything, and they are. Broadway's good to them. And then right. there's the other artists that come through that, that made the same change that you did. Yeah, and, you know, over the years, you, you haven't really seen any big artists break that have come off of Broadway. I mean, there's been a handful over the years, right. but the amount of people that have played there, the odds, it's, it's not that great, you know. And it, It's good for tourists, you know, and, yeah. and the bands they want down there, they want them playing Journey and all the stuff, and, <laughs> and that's fine because nowadays it's a lot of bachelorette parties, but, like... They just want to sell beer, dude. Exactly, and they make a pile on it, so why would they yeah. change their formula, but... You know, typically those artists that you see that are blowing up in Nashville are doing a lot of, like, a lot of the writers' rounds and things like Whiskey Jam and, yeah. and all those things that are like original music. And then, you know, like you said, it's two artists. And our first part of our career, we liked what we were doing playing covers. It was it was fun. Sure. You know, and you get that crowd response after you play a song everybody knows. You're like, man, that was awesome. But if you think about it more like, did they like you or did they like that song? Yeah. So, like, it's got to beat you up. If you, if you can get both, if, 
now we're playing our own stuff that people know our stuff and you get that same response that's the whole package like man i wrote that sucker people are singing it in the crowd and we're doing our own thing so it's it's great i'm prideful that you did that for myself my own selfish reasons to have you back here doing your own stuff because yeah i don't nothing nothing against covers but i wouldn't have booked you yeah well and that's that's what we said you know we spent a lot of time doing that, and I wouldn't regret it at all. It taught us a lot of things. It taught us how to play. Great stepping stone. And taught right? us how, like, we opened for about everybody and their dog when we played the Grizzly Rose and stuff. But we were one of the house bands there for about eight years. You know, wow. And just paid our dues, you know, six nights a week for, Damn. you know, once every, you know, two months we'd play six nights. Have you been back there doing your own stuff? Yep. Yeah. And so how did- when we left the Rose, uh, I finally told him, I was like, Scott and that owns a good friend of mine. I was like, man, we... we we ain't going to do it anymore. He's like, well, good luck, man. He's like, kind of, you know, didn't think we would do it. And a year later, he called us to headline there because we had changed the format. And, Beautiful. You know, and, and it's worked. You know, we've headlined it uh, three or four times. It, it's a good venue. We, we play a lot in Colorado, so we try to kind of protect some of those markets now. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been a fun journey. You know, it's all about the chase. Uh, I tell everybody all the time, like, we've, we've earned this deal the hard way. I mean, if the, there's things over the years that have just – come easier for other artists and you know and we grew up in wyoming there's no music scene right so like if you're a texas guy you can go watch music anytime if you're living in the south there's music all the time if you're in vegas there's music la like wyoming's literally as far away from any music scene as there is so there was chris ledoux and a big gap between anything some of these else. guys coming up so like we never had anything to compare ourselves to so i mean we just did what we thought sounded good and go do it then once in a while we'd open for somebody out of state and pick up a few tricks and like, but it's taken us a while. But everything we've achieved, we've done on our own. We haven't earned, had any, haven't had help it. from anyone. We didn't win an award show or, or you know like a TV show yeah. or something, which is nothing against those people that do that. But the longevity of those careers doesn't typically last that long well it's the same thing the broadway bands you could say the same thing yep. it's no different than the people that have been on the voice or american idol there's there's a handful that are household yeah. names i mean how many seasons of american idol has there been let's call it 20 i yeah. don't know Na- name 10 winners or 10 stars carrie underwood uh yeah kelly clarkson you know that's what Chase i'm saying Beckham. that's yeah. about it like yeah and there's, you know, the same goes for The Voice. It's cool. It's almost better to win, like, fourth yeah. than somebody in Nashville record. Like, Morgan Wallen was on The Voice. Yeah. Uh, Jake Worthington. Yeah, he didn't, Morgan didn't win it, but obviously, like, who's the biggest star in country music? Right. So, it does launch some people's careers, and, you know, it happens faster for some people, but it's it's super rewarding that things are happening for us, and we've, we've earned it. You know, so, like, the whole band knows they were part of it, and our fan base knows they were a part of it, too. Right. So, like... They're almost our biggest cheerleaders when we have something happen that's really big. Like we just we're gonna announce on Tuesday we got we get to make our grand old opera debut April twenty second. So, so like rad. our fans feel like they helped us get that, which they did. I also heard you get to play with your own band. We do. Which is rare. It is rare. And and when they booked us for it, we were super honored. But you know, typically we play with the opera band who's yep. some of the best players in the world. Phenomenal. But we had explained to him like we're super honored, but I wouldn't be here without my band members. Like they also did all the work to get me to this point where I was asked to play the Opry. So I was like, if we can, I'm asking firmly and nicely, but I, I'm going to need my band to do with me. And you know, we might not play as good as the opera players, but you know, if we screw it up, at least we'll screw it up together, you know? Right. And, and like, that's how we've done the whole career that like, I couldn't, 
And they're like, well, you can pick two members. I was like, well, how to how to do that? I got no. six piece band that like yeah. they're all family. So I can't be like, well, you can't play, but you can. But it was really nice of the Opry to be like, all right. So I've been I've been back for three Opry debuts, and um, it's kind of neat. Uh, just that whole thing. And so I watched the artists go into the room and take their two songs and do their thing. And it's uh, yeah. with a house band. And then it's neat to watch it transfer out to what it is. And it's solid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those guys are phenomenal. They only need 15 minutes with you and you're, and you're done. It's I know. the craziest thing in the world. But to be able to get to where you're at, to be able to do that, that's, and yeah. for them to accept that, that's, dude. It's, it's one of those stepping stones in country music that like everybody, you know, strives for. You Absolutely. Know? Like, so, we got to play the Ryman two years ago with Cody Johnson. It was nice to Cody. He's the one he called and he's like, Hey man, you want to open the Ryman? I was like, Hell yeah. Was it his camp or was it him that called? Cody called, yeah. Beautiful. Good for you. Yeah, and then uh he's like, You don't pay very good. I was like, I don't care, man. Yeah. I was like, I'll I'll be there. So it was super nice to Cody to uh involve us in that full band? Yep, full band. He had two sold out nights. We got to do one and How and long then, was your set? Uh an hour. <laughs> yeah. That's dude. That's, that's but, but Cody did like us. He earned it the hard way, you he know. Did. So like he he, I think when they had him headline those, they, he they told him like you know pick a couple guys that have d- done it the way you've done it and the way you want to do it. And so he called us and another Texas guy, and so that was a stepping stone, you know. And then the opera is going to be awesome to stand in that circle that everybody we've grown up, you know, idolizing has stood there. Literally right. everybody has played the opera, so it. It still hasn't really set, sank in because, you know, like, it hasn't come. But It's I, coming we, quick, we, too. We'll, we'll be nervous, yeah. But it's it's just one of those things. You know, played. I remember when we first got Cheyenne Frontier Days in the main stage, and they're like, you want to open for Merle Haggard? I'm like, what? No. <laughs> open for Merle Haggard at, like, the biggest rodeo and biggest stage in Wyoming, which is my dream because Cheyenne Frontier Days is very dear to us. My dad won it. In That's 19th. in July, right? Yep, yep. Last 10 days of July. and My dad won Cheyenne 1971. Me and my brothers rode there. And then, you know, now I got to play there. It's so Shine's very special to us. But it's it's all those little stepping stones over the years that like keep you hungry. And it's, Absolutely. You know, I mean I guess I, I wouldn't know how to say it if, if it came really fast like some artists. Do, do you appreciate these moments like we do? And to us, we know all those you know, all the roads and flat tires and small places and hauling our own gear and steering that goes out. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> fix a hose on a bus. Yeah. Um but all those things, you know, you think about that got you where you are today, that's what makes it rewarding that somebody didn't just give me a record deal and fly me out to Vegas to play at Stoney's. I always think it's a little bit different than um, with money when I – there's some people you can ask if they'd like to win the lottery and some people that you ask if they'd like to earn the right. lottery, that sort of thing in some sense. For and sure. I, I'm the guy that – I mean, sure, it'd be great to win the lottery. But yeah. the truth be told, I'd rather put in the work. It means more. For sure. And, and that's kind of what's been our business plan since we did is like – to trying to trying to create a, a career for for my band and my crew guys so like you know if, if i was a start today and had a number one hit in a month and then you don't follow it up with a number one hit you're kind of done yeah like, i mean you're not done but it's it's hard to like go back and play all those big venues if you ain't got any more hits we've had the slow steady climb to build a career for our that our fans will be there forever this foundation of fans we're just trying to broaden that that we want to be able to play you know medium-sized venues and hockey arenas when we're 60. Sure. You know, and just have that long career that you can still go do it because you enjoy it. But if it happens too fast, it's sometimes the longevity of your career is short. 
I think it was neat. I sat here. Cody Johnson sat in that seat right there, and we had this whole conversation about his hard work and where he's at, and then the whole going to Nashville and sitting with the labels and everything like that. And and it was so neat to see his response with everything because he was like, they offered me everything that I already had. Yep. And and I think that that that's a blueprint for you. You guys are in yeah. the, literally the same genre of music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know well, that me- there's multiple ones in country. I, I believe that, to, to me, you follow suit with him. Right. Coming from rodeo. When I watched your rodeo, totally crazy. I didn't know that much about him. Yeah. You know, that was that was a pretty neat documentary. Just seeing where he came from, what he's doing, yeah. and how he got there, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, it is crazy, you know, and like uh, Cody did it just like we're doing it. And, you know, we're... we're just a few years kind of like behind where Cody was a few years ago, you know, and we're getting to the point right now we've been having meetings in Nashville with record labels and stuff. And they're offering us the same thing. Like we want to, we're going to give you all this, but we're going to take this much of it. Like, Mm, like, well, well, I'm already doing that. Like I'm touring, you know, our stuff's streaming. Well, we have albums out, we're selling CDs, we're selling hard tickets, which is not a thing that like some artists can do. Yeah. So I'm like, the only thing I need out of a record label at this point is, is, Maybe some more promotion and country radio, yeah. which country radio is super tough. Look at Cody. I mean, it took him a couple swings, and they finally got the number one with Tell You Can't because it was a banger song. Huge. And then Human right now is climbing the charts, but, like, Cody's awesome. So, like, that just shows you how hard country radio is. Like, he should have as many on as maybe Morgan Wallen. Dude, you know? So. Yeah, he should have ten number ones. And exactly. One of the neat things, I sat with Kylie Fry, and she told me that she's the background vocalist on Human. Which is I she? Thought, yeah, which I thought Here's was... Here's a funny story about that. So, so uh, Trent Willman produces me and Cody both. Okay. So, two years ago, when I put out my Third Street album, we were going to put Human on there. I told Trent, I was like, I, I love that tune. I'm, I'm going to cut Human, because Trent pitched it to me, and he's like, all right. The day we went in to cut, Trent's like, Alan Jackson has it on hold. We can't we can't cut it. I was like, what? I was like, we've been talking about this song for two months. He's like, right. we can't cut it? He's like, not right now. The publishers say Alan Jackson has it on hold. So we're like, damn it. And then sure as Who's heck. Who's Alan Jackson? Yeah. I was like, well, <laughs> Alan will kill that song, by the way. So I was like, all right. So then two years later, Cody's title track comes out, Human. I'm like, I've heard that sucker. I got the demo of it on my phone. <laughs> right. But it, it, that song is great. And and vocally, I think it fit Cody better because he could really belt that song. It is it, it is a little bit tricky song, so I'm glad Cody cut it. It's a cool tune. I want to go back just a little bit. Um, talking Opry, you get two songs. Do you know what two songs you're gonna play? Well, we haven't. We've been throwing a few around. You know, it's it's the Opry, so we want to stay fairly traditional, which is not hard for us. Most right. of our stuff's pretty tra- traditional, but like. They say they like really harmony-based songs, so we got, you know, our, my band sings great harmonies, so, like, we'll probably pick a couple that have the fiddle involved and and harmonies and maybe do a fast one and a ballad. So we're right. trying to sort through which ones we think would be the best for that audience because, you know, it's a little bit older audience that watches, that's in attendance at the Opry and that watches it on Circle TV. So sure. trying to fit, you know, we we have a lot of fast, wild rodeo songs, and that's us. So part of me says we should do one that's us. Then Dude, I, you should do you, and, and then, then I do one that's you know maybe maybe more of a, a Nashville sounding song. Some of the newer stuff that I've cut, so maybe a ballad, but I can't decide. <laughs> It'll. I, I'm sure that'll be one of those things that's difficult. My buddy Sam Grow played it, and I flew back uh, a couple Thanksgivings ago, and I went to it, and he was telling a story about how his dad and him were driving by the opera and his dad was like you're gonna play there one day son like that's where all the guys just like you said that's where yeah. all the, all the good people playing and he he's saying he's got a song that streams pretty cra- crazy and then he played 
one about his dad because his dad's not w- with him anymore. Hmm. And it was um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, why you got to go right now? And when he, I'm a grown ass man, and knowing him, knowing what it took him to get there, and then knowing what that song meant to him, I was literally biting my teeth so I wouldn't cry. Like that's it was, cool. Yeah, that, that's that's the songs you want to sing there. The ones that the that mean a lot to you. So yeah, we're we're trying to sort through and see what we want to do. We got you know we got a lot of songs we've wrote, and I just don't know yet. I can't wait. I'll be. I've never watched Circle TV, but um, I think that'll be one of those ones I want to see. I want to see your nerves. I think yeah. that's going to be pretty cool. We, you know, when we played the we played the Ryman, we were we we're like, I was like, be cool. It's just another date. Yeah. And it was a blur for the first twenty minutes. Like, really? Damn it. I want to redo. I mean, we still did well, but like you could tell we were all a little tight. But like you're standing in the mother church. I mean, all those windows, stained glass windows in that church. Place is like, beautiful. Oh man, it was it's eerie haunting in there a little bit of everybody that's played the rhyme and too, so it'll probably be a repeat of that, I assume, with, with the grand old opera. You. Yeah. Let's go back a little bit further. You did the you when you did the transition from from covers to playing your own stuff, obviously you still put covers into your set. Yeah. Is there covers that, that are just something that's a staple of who you are? Yeah, I mean, so we we play Seminole Winds. So we have a fiddle player in the band that she's been with me for fifteen years. Her and Wyatt uh been with me for fifteen years and Brooke was classically trained uh, violinist, so like she learned how to fiddle when she joined, which is you know a different style of playing. But she, she being trained classically, her her pitch and, and and stuff was really good. So we started playing Seminole Wind when she joined, just because it's it's a really pretty fiddle intro and outro, and people love it. So like we played it for years, and we got kind of known for it. And at this point, maybe we've played it more than John Anderson. I don't know, but we <laughs> it's still on the set every night. And I've thought about cutting it a few times, but. You know, the one time you do, you're going to be, we should have played that. Well, we get people get mad that we don't play it. People get mad that Brooke doesn't have a fiddle solo on every song. <laughs> right. It's like, I'll go to cut it off the list and be like, man, I, I can't. And we do our own version. We just do a, we just do verse, chorus, and then the outro. So we, we made it a little shorter just so everybody gets the intro fiddle part, her solo part, and then the outro is all they, you know, they don't really need the second verse. Everybody knows the song. So sure. we just shortened it to keep it. For the fiddle, but we've played that one for years, and we play a couple Alabama songs too. We made a little medley out of three Alabama songs. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, so like, also another band from the '90s that was like had prominent fiddle in it. So like, there's not a lot of songs now that there's just like a fiddle solo. Alabama was one of those bands that had about every other song had fiddle in it. Right. So you know, Dixieland Delight. If you're gonna play in Texas, all those songs were fiddle focused songs. So like, how do we cut those? I would like to replace it with another cover. That has which a big really fiddle key. thing. Yeah, which one? Yeah, was the devil went down to Georgia? Sure, everybody does that. And we do a very small snippet of it in a little medley in our show that people love. So, like, trying to find those fiddle parts that everybody knows. But obviously our albums have tons of fiddle on them. Yeah. But those songs that are recognizable by about everybody is, like, the Alabama and, and Seminole Wind. That's such a great song. Not too many people do those covers. I mean, that kind of cover here. Every now and then we hear an Alabama thing. I guess... I guess whenever there is a fiddle, I think we do hear Charlie, uh, Charlie I mean, Daniels. Yeah, yeah, that that, but that's rad. We we never played Charlie Daniels for years, and it, because we have a fiddle, everybody requests "Devil Went Down to Georgia," yeah. and Brooke hated it. She's like, "I'm not doing that." She just she loved Charlie Daniels, but you know he was a fiddle player, and Brooke's a violinist, and it's big difference. Yeah, so like, I don't know, it just didn't really fit her style, and she didn't love it, and the fact that everybody requested it, so. Finally, this last year, we put just a snippet of it in this rock medley we do. So they can get a taste. And we finally talked her into it, like, hey, just do this little bit. Trust me. And the crowd goes crazy. Right. And she, so it feels there, you know, 
happiness with there's a little bit devil went out of Georgia for you, but not the whole song. So I think that when you look at a fiddle, you're probably right. That's instantly what they think of. But right. You, I used to get excited, like if I didn't know the band that was coming through and didn't know if they had a fiddle, if they were something that was completely new to us and everything, and I would walk out there. The minute I would see it up there, I'd be like, oh, this is going to be one hell of a night. Yeah. You know, Brooke adds a lot because she's a girl that's pretty, that plays, that has perfect pitch, technically. You know, she was the Rocky Mountain CMA Musician of the Year last two years. Holy cow. So, like, Brooke, but she's been playing since she's about five years old. So, and she's I mean, been with you for 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's... Like I said, the band's a family, so they all get to show off at the opera a little bit or be nervous with me. Yeah, so you're really going to, that's going to be tough because you're going to have to do something with that fiddle, with her. Yeah. That's your own. Yeah. That stands out, that means a lot. Yeah. That's one of two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know. That's, that's why it's hard to pick. But it, it's good, man. We've, we, we love what we do still, you know, and we, As, we, we yeah. always get that question. And it, it people be like, do you still love it? And to me, it's those people that maybe hate their job, and they want they want you to see that maybe you don't love as much as you we show. We're like, what are you kidding me? I have the best job in the world. Right. I travel around the world in buses, hang out with my friends, entertain people on stage, and sing songs I wrote. Like, I can't think of a better job. Like, being an actor, it was probably really fun, but you're never in front of a big crowd. And you're not yourself. Right. So, like, to me, being a musician, or maybe it's a pro athlete, but, like, a pro athlete, I mean, there's... You can get hurt and stuff, so maybe that's it. But I don't know. Be, being an entertainer, uh, singer, whatever, is to me one of the coolest jobs. Because and people always ask, "You still love it?" I'm like, "What do you mean? Do I love it? This is the best job ever." We had an artist that came through Idaho, and they said something that you're not paying me to play; you're paying me to be away from my home. Yeah, and I think that that's when you get to that point is when maybe you might have turned the corner where it's not your favorite thing in the world to do. Right, I think about that. Well, in and a I sense. get it. Some artists have done it a long time, and yeah. they've had enough, and that's okay. I, none of us in this group are there yet. We're still hungry for it, which makes the climb to the top even more fun. I enjoy this level. I always talk about sports. Um, I love college sports. Right, uh, it's my favorite thing in the world because <laughs> these kids are still trying. Right, not saying that the pros aren't. But they're on a different level. Right. I mean, it's just a different game, right. per se. Um, I always go back to the one story we had here. Russell Dickerson's played here seven times. Oh, nice. The first first time he played here, there was maybe 250 people in the room. Long time ago. Probably six years ago. And uh, the last two times sold out both shows. Nice. Um, and it was before his single really got to radio, which was even cooler. Because in Vegas, you know just from playing Gillies, you can build an audience here. Yeah. Period. Um and yeah, there's people in town that love live country music, yep. and you know, once they become fans, yeah, there's not there's not a ton of places in town to go see it really. O- original country music, like this, might be the only place. Well, we like to tout ourselves where country lives in Las Vegas, right. Because we don't change just because the rodeos in town, right? Uh, I don't like cover bands. Right. Uh, we have a DJ. That's about as cover band as I'll get. Yep. And that's kind of my attitude towards it. At the end of the day, is. I want to build it. I've wanted to build something on fr- on Fridays where people, whether they knew the artist or not, they knew something cool was going right. to be there. There was a good list, and they could they could dance to. They can drink a beer with their friends if they want to dance. They can ride the bull there. Just so much to do here right. in that sense. And and we notice those towns we hit once in a while. We're like we've never played a town, and it'll be packed. Like, yeah. well, I, you know they know our stuff through Spotify and stuff, but like you can tell those towns that just love country music. Yeah. Like we were just up in Idaho and Post Falls, and it was sold out. You know you're like wow. I've never seen this before. You guys are up at Nashville North. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy's place. Yeah, the place is awesome. And never you can t- been. You, you I'm can so the, mad at myself. You can tell the fans up there just love country music. And right. if, you know, if you got a following at all, it, it's a great place to play. 
I hear a lot of bands that go through. I wish that that drive was a little bit closer. I could route some more because he books on a on a Thursday, which right. is rad. Our place that we have in just out of Boise is too big. It's not a. It's yeah. not it, There is. You have to drive forty minutes out of Boise to get to it. Right. It's not like a like here. Um, we just have this walk up. This unreal. Yeah, it's we a, played the one in Boise, and it was it. It was a little cool. We played it, I think, in the fall or early you, spring. You by yourself then, or did yeah, you, yeah? We headlined it, and it was, I don't know, maybe thirty degrees in there. Yeah. Brooke came off the bus. I was sleeping. She's like, you know, th- there's like one whole wall missing because it, yeah. it was kind of an open. Tr- we call it open air. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that can't be. It's you know, it's thirty five degrees. I think I have to have a door or something. She's like, no, and it was so cold. Great venue. Yeah, it's and a I was neat like, place. And I was like, there's nobody gonna come tonight. I was like, I wouldn't. If yeah. my favorite artist was in town and it was this cold, I'm probably not going. They came out though, yeah. Yeah, we had like three, four hundred people yeah. come. I think it was, and I was like really surprised. I was like, holy cow! Dude, and look, that, that's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and they had gloves and scotch caps on. Yeah. You know, Carhartts is like good for them. Those are those are hardcore fans. Those I believe are farmers. Right. They're cowboys. The big joke we had there, it'd be fun to move there because we could just buy a side by side, put a shotgun in the back, and we're at home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's literally what that place is. Yeah, it's like Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been to Wyoming. That's one place. Uh, I got some friends that live in Montana. I've never been there either. Um, I do have this odd opportunity. I got some friends that uh, are doing a motorcycle, enduro kind of BMW okay. street kind of thing, and they're going from the tip of Alaska all the way down to Chile. And oh, they wow. asked me if I wanted to ride for a week. I ride dirt bikes <laughs> and stuff like that. Right. I'm like, well, do I get a pick where I'm going? Right. And they were like, yeah, dude, Like you fly in, and they ride for about six, eight hours a day. They stop. Everyone has dinner. Get up the next morning, get on the bikes, ride for another six cool. hours. Yeah, and I That'd was like, fun. I'll do the Montana run, and they're like, you're in. That's awesome. I was like, holy cow. So Come through Wyoming, just make sure it's summer. It's a little chilly right now, but right. yeah, we, uh, you got to come out and visit. Wyoming's awesome. We have a ranch up in the northeast corner of Wyoming, and we run a bunch of sheep. We run about 6,000 head of sheep and about holy cow. What 300 head of cows. What do you do with sheep? Is that the whole? Our, our sheep are mainly for meat, so they're called Targi. They're a Rambolay, Columbia Cross is what a Targi is. Okay. So ours are mainly for meat, but we sell the wool off them too, so we shear once a year. And Yeah, it's it's what my parents did. Growing up, they bought that ranch with nothing. Dad was a hired man in 1985 and just made it from nothing. Like Same with us in music. So a lot of ranchers will inherit a ranch or have oil or coal or gas or, you know, get it kind of easier. My dad and mom bought and paid for two ranches with only ranching no oil everybody around us has oil wow. and gas and coal <laughs> none on us and and you've looked everywhere yeah <laughs> they've drilled a lot on us and we're, every time they go to drill we're like come on but just a little bit yeah we just need a little bit we don't want a lot but so th- they've bought and paid for two ranches with only ranching no inheritance no nothing so it's it's pretty unbelievable and there's nobody in our county or i don't know anywhere that has done it that way right so it's it's that's kind of where we got our work ethic. It's like you can have whatever you want, but you just kind of have to go out and earn it. Got to work for it. You know, it. nobody's going to hand you nothing. Back to the sheep thing. What meat? Like, I don't understand that. It's like lamb chops. Like got you go to a restaurant okay. and stuff. And so that I mean, what else do they pull out of that? I mean, I I, I mean, I guess like leg a, of lamb. I think like, of that, but well, a lot of like uh, Middle Eastern restaurants serve okay. a lot of lamb. So like, and it's a pretty big market, you know, uh, that you don't think of. All these restaurants, probably even in Vegas, all these fancy places have lamb chops. You know, they're always, they, like, yep. super expensive. Yes. So, like, that's where, like, a lot of our sheep and lambs go to is, is restaurants and, and that type of stuff. And, you know, and they do other stuff with, like, roasts and, like, euros and things like that. Like, lamb burgers, pretty healthy for you. Right. So, there's – because over the years, running sheep ain't, ain't super easy. 
it is if you know what you're doing. Like my dad's done it his whole life. So if you know how to run sheep and you've learned how to do it and yet your your facilities are set up to run sheep versus cows, you can do it. But like if you're a cattle rancher and you buy 500 head of sheep, it ain't gonna work. you're going to hate running sheep because like your, your crails ain't set up for it. You got to be very careful when you lamb that you don't lose a bunch of lambs or if a snowstorm hits after you shear, you got to be careful they don't drift under and die. So yeah. like there's all these things that we're, you know, you can't anticipate all of them, but we're aware of all these things because of experience over the last, you know, 40 years right? Uh, running sheep that they work really well in our neck of the woods because, you know, they're built with a wool coat on. So in the winter, they, they can withstand about anything. They don't have to open water. They just eat snow for, for water. They'll eat sagebrush. And, you know, a cow, uh, you got to baby them along. You know, if it's too cold, they'll die. And you got to feed them hay every day. And you got to run them in for shots. And by the time you sell a calf after from the time it's born till you sell it, you've already touched that thing four or five times. You've pulled it. You've, you've branded it. You've right. brought in, bangs vaccinated it, and then you shipped it. It's like a sheep, you lamb them, you dock them, you ship them. See ya. It's crazy. Yeah, I was I was kind of freaked out. I just took a a, a trip up to um, just outside of Salt Lake. Met a guy that had a cattle ranch up there, and he they raise one one cow a year, and they process it. And he was he, he was here with his kid and asked if I wanted to go on a road trip with him. And we ended up in that in Manti, Utah, and I yeah. I brought home a quarter cow. And uh, I normally don't eat top sirloin. Um, right. I'll tell you a little bit about me. My my family um, owned a meat company here in town. Okay. Uh, my stepdad worked for Swift Meats way back in the day. Okay. Uh, and then he started his own meat company here, ended up selling it to Cisco. Um, but I worked in there. I started out grounding beef. That's Great. what I did, just chip and bowl, dude. That was literally <laughs> what I did, and I made hamburger patties. And I went from that to a needle machine for the, uh, not even, is it Choice? Choice New York Strips. I ran that thing through there four or five times. Because we would, we would sell the nine-ounce steak to the place for $2.00 steak and eggs breakfast right. so like that's all we do is cut for restaurants well i started to learn about the top rounds and the top butts and everything we'd cut some of them open and not the prettiest thing sometimes when they inject them with stuff and there's a little right. bit of a bacteria build up it's pretty fucking gross so i quit eating top sirloin right. well we get this quarter cow i get it home and in my pack with some some top butt steaks and i was like shit so I tried. They were so good. Yes. I don't like. I you send me to Outback. I ain't eating that shit there. Ain't no way. It's funny. Like even you go to the grocery store and you buy a steak. You know they're just there's not as good. So we raise our own beef too. And I, I ate a lot of lamb just because Dad will butcher you know ten or twelve a year and just give them to people that like lamb. Right. So we'll we'll just you know. I need to be friends with Dad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> next time we come to Vegas, I'll bring you whole lamb. Hell yes. Butchered. And, but uh, you know you get that ranch raised beef. Even even just hamburger is Dude. like a hundred percent difference in the stuff you get 100%. from the store. Like stuff just doesn't taste that good. I don't know exactly what they put it in at the big processing plants, but like you know, you fatten one of your own and finish them yourself on corn or grass. I, I like both, but right, so much better. You, and it's night and day. Well, I probably have sixty pounds of ground beef in my freezer at home yeah, in one pound pack. Probably awesome. It is so yeah. good. It's like you want to do. Normally, it's like you want to do tacos. I'm like I'm out. But now I, I just I'll eat the ground beef every day. The I burgers know. are good. Everything is good with them. And then getting into the steak side of stuff, like he gave us a. Um, I want to say that he gave us like maybe a whole fillet butt. I don't know if he meant to, but um, it was so good. Just yeah. the the tender, the flavor. And that's what that's what sucks about the general public. A lot of them don't ever get to experience that like ranch raised beef because you know it's just when you're trying to to feed America, they have to have these big processing yeah. plants and they 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 mass produce hamburger. You know, and they it's 
and it's not bad if, if you don't ever know the difference. Just once you have had a beef that's been ranch raised and you have it, you'd be like, holy cow. Yeah. It's hard to eat other hamburgers. I ain't, well, I mean, I'm a perfect example from that whole, that, that top sirloin. And it's not a little one. It was a big one. And it was just kind of like one of those things that one of the first nights, I got some pictures on my phone of the stuff that we cooked. And I sent up to my buddy Hunter that gave us everything. And I was like, um, he was like, dude, you're going to go through everything in one night? And I'm like, no, bro, I have some friends over, but I want to try everything right like sort of thing and it was just kind of that whole process was neat the whole the whole getting all that beef and um coming home and eating it and it, it's just i mean right spoiled you probably can't go to mcdonald's for sure and eat a damn burger. <laughs> i mean i will once in a while but it's uh you know it, it's I, i'm very fortunate how it was able how i was raised you know we were ranch kids that we worked every day and we we rodeoed in the summer and we wrestled in the winter so i mean very fortunate that a lot of kids don't get to experience that you know growing up we didn't take it for granted, but, you know, you want to go to town, hang out with your friends, or all doing stuff, going to the pool, and Dad's like, you know, we're working. Yeah. I mean, you know, we did everything horseback growing up. And Do you, you still know. do you still help out around the farm? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have, I have a house on the ranch up there, so my little brother kind of runs it for uh, for my folks. They go to Wickenburg in the winter, and uh, but Dad's still— Wickenburg, Arizona? Yep. Okay. So a lot of cowboys go there in the yeah. winter. and But, yeah, they uh, Dad still runs the place, though. But Chase runs it, and then my older brother's got a ranch in Montana and Alzada, just north of us, sixty miles. And same thing. Him and his wife run sheep and cows too. Yep, that's fucking. They cool, run a bunch. Man. So yeah, we're fortunate that we were, you know, mom and dad had to earn it the hard way, and, and we helped. We worked, you know, you, on the ranch. You were hustling, so we were a part of it. But like, we'll step into that at some point. Me and my brother and brothers, and just ranching. It's it's, it's such a wonderful life. You know. So when you plan on having kids and doing the same thing? Yeah, probably at some point move yeah. back and you know, but we're we work so hard on this music thing. Like now's the time. Let's pedal down and do it as hard as possible. So let's let's talk like how you you grow up in a ranch lifestyle, rodeo yeah. and stuff like that. What drew you into music? Well, so I, I went to college. Uh, so in high school, I made the high school national finals in the saddle bronc riding. So got a scholarship to Casper College to ride saddle broncs, bucking horses, and so. Went to Casper College, and you had to pick a degree because it's for college rodeo. So I uh, got a associates in political science, and then I got associates in general ag because I was there. And then ended up three years there, and then I went to the University of Wyoming and uh, to finish my bachelor's degree in political science and then rodeo one more year. And then I made the college national finals my senior er, my, my junior year at Casper College, then my senior year at UW. So I made the college national finals twice. And then uh, if you made the finals, they paid for your fifth year of college. So I finished my bachelor's degree. And this whole time in college, we kind of had a band. But it was just kind of for fun, cover band. We'd play a few rodeos. Rodeo was but was the main thing. Like, I was just going to ride Bronx forever. Right. Or until I got old enough where it hurt. Yep. So then I mean, you don't have a back anymore. Right. <laughs> so then at the time, I was got done rodeoing college. So I pro-rodeoed for a couple years. And... uh but I stayed in college because uh, the rest of the band at the time was still going to college. So I went to grad school and got a master's in public administration. So I just stayed in college seven seven years straight. I'm very proud of that. Fourteen semesters. Yeah, those are called doctors. But yeah. go ahead. <laughs> a lot of you know, a lot of people go to college for seven years. They're called uh, singers of a band, I guess. But so then then after everybody got done, I moved to Nashville to do an internship. Interned for Toby Keith and and at show dog and, and TKO artist management for TK Kimbrell. And it was really fun. So while I was there, I did a, my first album that was an original album. 
I was all like, everything you wrote? No, that first one was all stuff that I just got pitched, all outside songs cool. from writers in town, but liked it and said, "Hey, man, let's let's try this." So we'd go out on the road, still do covers along with the the, the songs off Honky Tonk Road, and it was it was a uh, fun. But that was kind of the point where I was like, "Okay, should I pro rodeo more and chase that, or should I chase this music thing?" Because I was doing both. I would say kind of average. I was like, I need to do one either really good. Right. Put all your ducks in it. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I can ride Bronx on about 35 or 40. I can, I can see Merle Haggard's up there singing when he's like 78 years old. He's like, I think I'm going to do music. You know, it's it sucked. I, I still think about rodeo all the time. You know, it's you, you haven't ridden in a while at all? No, probably, it's probably been eight or ten years since oh, I've wow. been on. Yeah, so, but, you know, I still ride horses a lot at the ranch, but not like competing rodeo anymore just because I had to pick one and, it, out for a while, they were going to rodeos, and that night I'd play the dance. The next day, we'd go to rodeo. We'd go there and play the dance. It was just, it was too much. Right. So I had to, I had to pick and chose music, but it's kind of where we got where we were today. And my main, you know, I tell people all the time, I know more about ranching and rodeo than I do music. I just kind of ended up here, which is maybe why it's been a hard climb. <laughs> well, I think that you go back to that same thing where you said the people that it happens in a month. Right. Where are they at in a year? And exactly. So, I, I used to call country radio number one the entitled number one. I did it for the longest time because right. I didn't understand it. I just, I don't. Well, and I mean, the, I do. The, the because longer it's I'm funny. in music, uh, the, the more things you find out. You know, we've learned a lot over the years that, you know, country radio is one thing and it, it it's still super powerful today, but those number ones are traded around a little bit sure. in town. And I, you know, the system is the way it is. It is what it is. I, I think the thing that still that really baffles my head is when I talk to an artist and they know that in three months their song's gonna be number one. Yeah. It's like, well and it's it's taking I wanna the, see the board. It's taking the listeners out of it like well take Cody Johnson, for example. He was out streaming everybody. Like yeah. Cody's stream numbers are huge and radio wouldn't touch him. We're like, what the hell's going on here? You know, well, then he signed with Warner. Then, you know, then he did an awesome deal with them. But, like, even before Cody signed, his streaming numbers were crazy. Yeah. Like, more than anybody probably in the top 40. Not everybody, but a lot of them. I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, the so, so that, that just goes to show you that the, the true listeners aren't really getting represented on radio. It's, it's radio's upper people. What they that, think. What they want. But yeah. it's like, obviously, these fans are wanting to play Cody Johnson. Look at his streams. And, that, and that, I'm just using Cody as an example. There's tons of artists that stream like that that aren't getting radio. Yep. So it's like we're at the point where we're cutting some songs that fit radio, but we're also cutting songs that we like to sing for our fans out west. You know, we sing about cowboys and we sing about rodeos and we sing about, you know, western way of life stuff and love stories and drinking songs. And we're at the point where we're doing well enough. If Nashville likes it, cool. If you don't, I don't really give a shit. Sure. Because they can't. If you're an artist that they make in Nashville and you don't do what they say, they can't end it. They can't touch us out yeah. here. You I keep mean, doing what you're doing. They can't stop us from getting booked. These rodeos are calling and booking us, and that's why we signed with WME. You know, like, they seen all these dates we were playing, you know, and it's like instead of them losing money, you know, I feel like they were like, hey, why don't you just come on board? We'll help you. And they have. They've been a great booking agent. So, like, I feel like it's the same with the record labels. They see all the things we're doing. They want. They now want to be on board. It's like, all right, 
well, I back think to you, like, well, show me, tell me what you're going to do for me. And I think you guys are in that position. It's funny. I had a guy that came in here that um, works radio, an artist, and um, he asked me about some artists that I'm listening to that I like, and he followed it up with, but they have to be streaming very, very well. Yeah. Because I think that the, I, don't, I don't think that what they used to do when they took an artist and they molded them and then they made them and they turned a career out of, art, out of their artistry doesn't exist anymore. Now they're just looking for the thing that is, that's, that's going to kill well, it. Well, Nashville now is a lot of analytics. So, like, uh, they'll, you know, we've been told a few times, well, we've got to get your streaming numbers up. Like, oh, that's fine. But then I'll see somebody that they'll sign that's maybe never played a live show. That maybe has never sold a hard ticket, which maybe they haven't figured out that you got to stream on it. But like to me, they can take those numbers and stuff, and we're you know because like I don't think our streaming numbers represent what we do because like we're selling hard tickets. We're we gross a good amount a year touring. We're selling hard tickets merch. We're selling albums off our you know off our website. Right. To me, the West is a little bit behind. I would say Wyoming is ten years behind everything. So like. Like people like my parents, my brother, they don't have they don't have Spotify. Sure, you know. So like a lot of our fan base are kind of old school, love us, maybe don't listen to us on Spotify. But if we're within six hours, they're gonna drive six hours to come see buy you. a thirty five dollar ticket, buy two shirts, and love us. Yeah, it's like Nashville's so number based. They're like, well, come out and see what we're doing. You know, you can take your number one, your artist that has the number one song, maybe can't sell twenty tickets at a place that will sell out. You know what I mean? I want to have some fun with you real quick. Okay. I did that show, Randall King's Tonk Vegas. Right. I did it on a Sunday. We're never open on Sundays. Right. Ever. You already know who was on that bill, right? Right. He pre-sold 800 tickets for that. There Unreal. You go. Right. Cool. That same night, the number one song in country radio, that artist was playing here, along with Tyler Hubbard. Here at Sony's? No, no. Oh, in town? In town. Okay. That was our competition. Okay. We outsold him. Yeah. Exactly. And and they were confused. We have the number one song in country radio. And I just sit back. I like the song. I like the artist. They had Matt Stell. They had Daniel Bradbury. Um, Bobby Bones even showed up. Um, Daniel Bradbury ended up here after yeah. her show. She played her show and then came straight here. And I just was kind of like, that's gratifying to me to know that I, I have, a, I have a, a good relationship with one of the stations here, iHeart. And um, we're trying to do some stuff to fit. I can't buy radio because it doesn't change anything for right. what we do. There's no return on investment for that. The branding doesn't matter in that sense because I don't know. I don't know. I always go to this fight of this is great. I can start an ad two weeks prior and say Chancey Williams playing Friday, March 10th, Stoney's Rockin' Country. If they're not playing the song. Right. It means nothing. Exactly. And, and like the Randall thing you're talking about goes back to, like, what do the fans want? Obviously, the fan, like, Randall's another good example, like Cody. Like, look at his touring dates in Killing Texas. It. Killing it. Has Randall got any radio yet? No. But, you know, they've probably got a plan for Randall. He's on Warner, too. So, they're, you know, there's a place in line of, yeah. of releases for them. So I'm, I'm sure Randall's t- time's coming. But just like you said that night, Randall sold 800 tickets pre-sale. They had a guy with number one hit on country radio somewhere else in town, and nobody showed up. So yeah, not that like, just tells you here's what the fans want. Yeah, and that that's what I've had s- some other booking agents know what we gross, and they flat out told me like I have guys with two number ones that don't make half of what you make. Sure, and like you know it, it just leads us to believe okay we would like country radio if it was done right, but if we don't, 
I don't well, how great either. is it that you're in that opportunity? The same thing that Cody had, where exactly. you you get to dictate. Like I loved it. He sat in here and he goes, "I went to one place and they offered me a Prevost bus." And he goes, "I took my hat and I said I got two. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to need you to change your shirt." Or not, dude. I mean, you listen to that that single from Hardy that's out right now, "The Mockingbird and the Crow," and he pretty much is the same thing because right. all these people are telling him what he has to do. Don't flip people off anymore. Kiss the ring once in a while. <laughs> and it's just kind of like I sit back and I just get the giggles out of it because the end of the day is it's changing and these kids and these consumers of music are relying on technology. And you're right, Wyoming, the Midwest, that whole area, I think, right. still listens to radio. They really they re- do. You know, it's just. Um yeah, I think Nashville better be careful. I mean, they're, they're signing these guys that, like, you know, have a million followers on TikTok. That, that's fine. For one that I'm experienced, which is also fine. But just because somebody likes you on TikTok doesn't mean they're going to come see you show, buy a hard ticket. 100%. Do they like the girl in your video or they like your song? Yeah. So. That's, that's 100%. And the, I've, the, I've, the cream will rise, in our opinion, the cream will rise to the top. So so there's true talent out there, and there's guys that just got a record deal. Yeah. Let them play their deal out. We'll still be here, and people will still come to see us. You know, and, and we're, that's why we're trying to blend that, what we've created out west here, with that's, Nashville a little bit. Like, we'll play your games. We'll do what you want to do a little bit. But it's together. Let, hey, let's make some money together. I, I think the combination of both is going to be really good, but we've already set this foundation of what we are. And if they like it, cool. If they don't, that's okay. That's okay Why would you give away what you already built when you don't have to? That's I think, the thing. And I think that's what I look at in a sense. I've had artists that have come through here that have won some of those TV shows. Right. And it's translated to garbage. Like I know. it's done nothing. I've had artists that have come through here that stream like crazy. Um, some um, that translated to no ticket sales. I've had others. Lily Rose. Right. Um, perfect example. I know that her, um, her single... Um, Begins with a V. I'm like totally drawing a blank right now, but um, she's got a single out that went viral as hell, um, right. and got her a record deal, and she didn't have to work where she worked anymore. And then she came out here and she pre-sold a shit ton of tickets and just right. killed it. But that's one of those things. Villain. That's the name of the single. She's not on radio, right? But she got a record deal, and you would have to hope that the end game with that is to get her on radio to where it translates into higher ticket sales. I mean different yeah. places and sell more stuff like that and it doesn't always do that no it doesn't and like that's we, we've always put it like you know racehorse with blinders you know so like i don't really care what anybody else is doing you know and like florida george lion had a huge run those guys were awesome what they did do i care what they do no no am i going to copy what they do no i don't that's not my type of music sure good for them for making that so like i don't really care what any other artists are doing here's what we're doing if you like it you like you know and, not that to 100%. You know, we'll watch Parker, big Parker McCollum fans. We've been out with him a bunch. Man, he's killing it. Parker's half of his set's ballads, and it works. It's just like That's who he is, man. 10,000, 21-year-old girls loving him. Yeah. Like, that'd be awesome. But that's not me either. I do, like, two ballads in my whole set. So, like, Parker can pull it off. He's a very good-looking guy, and girls love him. So, like, that's his thing. Cody's high-energy show, like ours. But Cody's also different than us. Like, I don't want to be Cody. Yeah. I don't want to be Parker. Love those guys. Huge fans of both. But, like, I've always just had blinders on. We're doing it this way. If it works, that's who we are. It's continuing to work. Yeah. So, like, after all the hard work, people see that. It's like, like us who we are. Or if you don't like us, that's cool, too, man. I, I'm laughing. I just saw Parker post something, I want to say, within the last day or so, where he said he's, just, he's releasing his first song because he wrote it, and it had the word beer in it. Oh, really? Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> I'll probably never do it again, but it's coming. That's cool, man. And <laughs> You know, Parker's killing it, too. So, like, yeah. I love those guys that 
you know, Parker did the same thing, built the big Texas fan base, yeah. and then he's Parker's going to blow up. He's. I'm actually going to see him. We do a lot up in Utah at Country Fan Fest in Tuella, Utah. And um, Thursday night is Parker McCollum. Friday night is Cody Johnson. And Saturday night is Hardy. Nice. Um, and Randall King's playing that as well. And so is Spencer Crandall. Ash McBride's playing. Uh, the El- Dude, it's the last weekend in July. We're, uh, see, we're playing with Parker in Montana for a festival in I think that's June, though. Big Sky or something like that? It's in Cardwell, Montana or something. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen him before. I've wanted him here, but, I mean, I was just way way too late to the game to get him here. I did yeah. the same thing. Like, uh, I tried to chase down the Bailey Zimmerman of the world, but I couldn't. I couldn't. We always like to get super early on some artists, but it's by the time. Like, we did really well with Nate Smith. Right. Like, we got him super early, and I like that kid. His story's rad. But, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. These kids are working really hard at what they do, and uh, like yourself, and I think yeah. that's just a well, blessing. to me, the cream rises to the top, and, you know, any advice for any artist is, start i have a lot of ways they could do some shortcuts yeah <laughs> we did it the long way but no i just got to be yourself man That's like god oh, dang don't copy what anybody's doing don't chase songs right and wise of like what's current on radio because you're going to miss the boat just if you think something's cool sing about it yeah and, and like the the true authenticity of of how you sing a song and how you write a song the crowd can sense that they can hear it but they can just see that you're passionate about like if I was to get up and sing Cruise tonight, people are like, that's not him, man. Yeah. You know, do I, do I think that's a hit song? Hell yeah, yeah dude. That's one yeah. of the biggest songs ever come out. Chancey Williams sings is like, no, this is fake. Yeah, that's pretty funny that you say that. Yeah. That's actually really funny. Dude, this has been fun. Tell people how to find you online. Yeah, so they can find everything at chanceywilliams.com. It's C-H-A-N-C-E-Y, Williams. And uh, it's got links to all our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff on there. We... uh try to stay up to date on all i feel like every other day there's a new social media platform they're right. like you got to learn how to do this I'm like man are you tiktoking we 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 do tiktok and it ends up usually a bunch of shenanigans bus shenanigans and perfect dumb shit but we love doing it i mean it's fun i i hate that they want you to post every day and stuff i'm like i'm not gonna just put something out because i had to if there's something funny that we come across we'll do it right. i was like I'm not just gonna put something out that's kind of lame. So as you shouldn't. We're on TikTok. We're on. We're on everything. Just look up Chancey Williams if you Google it. But our website, ChanceyWilliams.com, has access to all of our tour dates. I mean, everything on there and uh, news and all the fun stuff. I love it, dude. Thanks again for the time. Hey, thanks for having me on. And leave a bittersweet memory. As much as I love the first time I saw you coming, I'm gonna love the last thing I see.